So um, I have been preparing for this platform partly by reading Facebook. My Facebook feed gets a lot of different um, long-form articles and blog posts and essays about gender, about the binary gender system, all of that, and, um, and also cartoons. One of my favorite cartoons um, about gender has two people standing next to each other, and one is holding a plate full of what look like um, freshly baked breakfast pastries. And, uh, and the other person says, ooh, ooh, rolls, those look great. I have to make sure I get it right here. Uh, and, um, and so the person holding them, who's I think supposed to be a, a little cartoon um, man, says, yeah, my wife baked them this morning. They're traditional gender rolls. And, um, and so the person over here takes one and, and takes a big bite and says, wow, these are awful. And then the man says, yeah, she should really leave the baking to me. So that's sort of uh, what many of us might think about, about traditional gender roles. I talked a few years ago, actually, in a platform about, um, about gender roles, about the roles that we assign to men and to women specifically, and, um, and the way that we all get trapped in them, the way that they, that they uh, heap expectations upon how we think we are supposed to move and be in the world. I'm going to, you guys can't really see me, huh? How's that? Um, And so I I put a query on Facebook this past week asking people what it was that they had found meaningful and important about gender in their life or what they had found complicated or difficult. And um, so many of you commented on that thread talking about the messages that you received, messages that said that the The main point in life for a woman was to be a mother, that everything else depended on that and pointed to it. Messages that this person had heard from a very early age. Several people talked about being told as women that they couldn't have short hair, that it was inappropriate. Again, as little children, the sole male commentator on that thread noted that it was all otherwise women responding and wondered if it pointed to the burden on women that our gender roles cause. There was recently, you might have read the article, a UN assessment of gender equity in the United States. Um, a, A task force of three folks from different countries came and studied America and gender equity. And um, I think that the the Huffington Post talked about it. I think the word they used was appalled. Um, The U.S., uh, they found the U.S. to be, quote, lagging far behind international human rights standards in a number of areas, including its 23% gender pay gap, maternity leave, which I would say is really new parent leave, but that's okay. We're going to just go by that, <clears throat> affordable child care, and the treatment of female migrants in detention centers. So we know we have a, a problem, right, around gender in that way in the states. And it's not just women, I think, who suffer because of the expectations that we heap on those traditional gender roles. I love the Dar Williams song because it puts the little twist at the end there as Dar sings it, talking about her experiences when she was a boy and all that she has lost now that she is grown up and has to be a woman. 
the twist at the end comes from the man she's talking to who reminds her about all the wonderful things he used to have back when he got to be a little girl, too. There's a poem from 1973 by Nancy R. Smith that gets to the, the, the same thing. It's called For Every Woman. And I'll just read the very beginning. For every woman who is tired of acting weak when she knows she is strong, there is a man who is tired of appearing strong when he feels vulnerable. For every woman who is tired of acting dumb, there is a man who is burdened with the constant expectation of knowing everything. And then she closes the poem, For every woman who takes a step toward her own liberation, there is a man who finds the way to freedom has been made a little easier. Bell Hooks, the wonderful radical thinker and writer, said something similar. The first act of violence, she wrote, that patriarchy demands of males is not violence toward women. Instead, patriarchy demands of all males that they engage in acts of psychic self-mutilation, that they kill off the emotional parts of themselves. I love those two pieces, the poem and then Bell Hooks's quote, because they're about collective liberation, about the way that gender roles don't work for any of us. We end up with bad-tasting breakfast pastries, right? We end up with a world that does not allow us to be fully ourselves, a world where, like all oppressions, the oppression of sexism is painful and damaging to those who are privileged within the oppression, not just those who are oppressed. But what about those of us who don't fit neatly into one of the categories that that poem speaks to, even those very categories that the poet sought to expand when she wrote? At this point, I think, in in American society, many of us are relatively familiar with the concept of being transgender. Trans, you know, means a cross, right? This is where I'm so glad I took Latin. This is about it. (laughs) Trans means a cross, so going across genders... Being in, a, being in a gender that is not the gender you were assigned at birth. The opposite is cisgender. Cis means same, again, thank you, Latin. Um, and so, um, so I, for instance, identify as cisgender. I identify and express myself now in the gender that I was assigned when I was born. They said it's a girl, and I have decided over the course of my lifetime that they were right about that. That's how I feel inside, too. And so that's generally how I look and how people experience me. Sometimes people talk about being transgender as as being born in the wrong body or living in the wrong body. I want to do a, a quick note there just to make sure that we're separating out, right, the idea of gender identity and gender expression from sexual orientation or romantic orientation. We, we do sometimes get those confused and think that they're the same thing. And so I just want to be clear that sexual orientation has to do with whom you are attracted to, whom you, whom you love. We can talk about that more in February when we do desire um, but uh, as a monthly theme. But gender identity and gender expression is about the gender that you are expressing. It doesn't necessarily have anything to do with whom you love. Those are two separate parts of our identity, right? 
So just a little note there. And then another really little just reminder about the difference between sex and gender. Sex is the biological piece, right? What you can be perhaps easily identified as when you are born, although not always. Gender is the felt expression and identity. That's the piece that you live into that often you choose whether you think about that choice or not. So we are often familiar with the concept of being transgender across crossing genders. And and more and more we hear about and have now opportunities to respond to children who feel that they are born in the wrong body. You might have seen there's some actually fabulous children's books about this now, helping parents to be able to respond to children who often at an extremely young age are clear that the gender they were assigned at birth is not the one that they feel inside and are able to express that. There's a great YouTube video I just saw that was created by the mother of a transgender child about um, her, her child's experience um, and, and how long, how it took the child a little while to convince everyone. She asked her, her daughter what she wanted to say to other transgender kids out there. And, um, and she's, what, what her daughter wanted to say was, don't give up, just keep telling them. Keep telling them, and eventually they'll listen to you. And of course, this child had had that wonderful experience of being listened to and supported by her family. So there's good stuff out there that you can find about that experience of being transgender and certainly of transitioning genders. So the, the process of being able to move fully over into the gender that you experience your identity as being. That's actually become more and more common to see among public figures being able to be open about their true selves and true identities and to share their transitions. The biggest one we have in the public sphere, thanks to the Kardashians, sort of, many of you may have followed um, Bruce Gender's transition to being Caitlyn Gender, coming out as a transgender person, a trans woman. What? Did I say gender? No, I said Jenner. Isn't it Jenner? Did I say gender? That's funny. Caitlin uh, Jenner. Did I do it right this time? Okay. Caitlin Jenner. That'll be good on the recording later. I'd just like to say, people listening to this podcast, everybody just corrected me. So we've been... Uh, um, able in some ways to see that transition played out very publicly, sometimes in rather beautiful ways, actually. I think I, I think I was proud of the Kardashians at one point in the way that they responded. It's an unusual experience for me. <laughs> and, and two, I think... One of the things that's been interesting, particularly for those of us that, that track sort of the experience of being transgender in America and the gamut of experiences that people have within that identity, it's been interesting to see Caitlyn Jenner, I did it right, right? <laughs> Caitlyn Jenner learning more about that experience even as she goes through it. 
recently um, she, uh, she was quoted um, in an article uh, talking about how, uh, sort of about, about being seen as fully passing and, and really looking like a woman, and, and folks called her to task for that. And, and she wrote rather a good apology, I thought, an apology about learning more herself about gender in, in our society and about gender in herself. And, and she wrote, some people look gender non-conforming because they want to look that way. They don't want to conform to society's expectations. I appreciated that she used our monthly theme, actually, in that quote. It was really uh, helpful as well. They don't want to conform to society's expectations. And that's really the piece that I want to explore a little bit more today. Because I think many of us are familiar with the idea of being transgender, right, of crossing gender from one to the other. But you see, that still depends on the idea of there being one and another. <laughs> Just two, right? Total. We, we have that in our daily language all the time. We talk about people being same-sex couples or opposite-sex couples, you know, because there's just the two. Whereas in reality, gender is so much more complicated, so much more interesting. So I want to introduce perhaps a few new terms for you. For some of them, they will for some of you, they will not be new at all. I want to explore the idea of folks who are gender queer or gender fluid, gender non-conforming, all wrapped up in the idea that gender is not as binary as we might imagine, that there isn't just one and then the other, and you're either cis or you're trans but that we might be wrong about the whole one or another thing to begin with. Talk about messing with our expectations. One of the things that I love most about working on and learning about transgender issues is that it's, it's one of the things I'm aware of having really changed on in my lifetime. You know, we all have those things. We were raised with a certain set of expectations and a certain set of understandings, a way that we saw reality, and then we learn and shift and come to a new understanding well, I was raised in a pretty progressive home. I was raised Unitarian Universalist. When I was little, I used to, um, I used, I was the only child. I was kind of you know, a little bit lonely. And um, so I used to plan um, uh, like orphanage schools that I was going to run, I guess, with my Legos. And, um, and you know, they were, um, they were set up in houses. And uh, I always made very clear in the regulations for the orphanage schools that the houses could have same-sex couples heading them. That was perfectly fine. We just wanted committed relationships running the Lego family orphanage houses. So, so I feel like, you know, uh, you know I, I, I was raised with, um, with pretty progressive values. And yet my understanding of gender is one of the things that I have gotten to see expand and stretch over my lifetime. It's such a beautiful thing in that way to get to experience that. And some of you may have had the same experience. It's a different understanding, really, of reality, I think, of what we imagine to be true. 
One of the um, comparisons that I like to use, um, they use this sometimes with teams when you're talking about sort of different understandings of reality and being sure that something is true the way, the way many of us are sure that there might be just one gender and then another, right? It's just um, sort of like pants um, and leggings, you know, you can ask people if pants are legging, if pants are leggings, and you'll have a variety of people that say to you, no, obviously pants are not leggings. That's ridiculous. Leggings are a different clothing item. You wear them with like tunics or dresses. That would be fine. And then you have other people that say, obviously pants are leggings. Yes, they're the same clothing item. It's a type of pants. Uh, like, do you guys, how many people think pants are leggings? I'm, so, like, leggings are pants. Same thing, right? Right? And then how many people think, no, actually, those are two different clothing items and you probably should not confuse them. Right. Okay. So we have different understandings of reality. Okay. And I, what I want to say is in this community, if you wear leggings as pants, that is okay. You will not be judged. That's it. That's the end of my platform. Actually, you're fine now. No, I think it's a change in our understanding of reality in some ways. There was a, um, and, and yet there are a lot of really kind of biological bases for a new understanding to invite us into that. There was a recent study showing that male and female brains are indistinguishable from each other. I think that's a, a new one, perhaps, for some people. And then there's a great book called Evolution's Rainbow, Diversity, Gender, and Sexuality in Nature and People. It's by biologist Jeff, Joan Roughgarden. And it was read, actually, by the biology discussion group here and was recommended to me by one of the members of that small group. Joan writes, the XX slash XY, so the XXXY system of sex determination. And I want to just note she's talking just about sex determination here, not gender. So just remember that difference, right? But even there, the XXXY system of sex determination is widely believed to define a biological basis for a gender binary for the two, the one, or the other. Yet this system allows for both a sharp gender binary and great overlap between XX and XY bodies, as well as gender crossing. The details of what's actually on the X and Y chromosomes and which tissues respond to the products of these genes determine the degree of male-female difference at the whole body level, as well as allowing for transgendered bodies. There's a lot of great and really interesting biological data in that book. It talks about gender as well as sexual orientation in different species and in humans and, and really kind of teases apart the idea that it is significantly more complicated than we have been led to believe. And so I recommend it to you, but honestly for me, someone who is not a scientist, but instead a, a sometimes theologian, maybe an ethicist, certainly a human being, I am actually much more interested in the felt experience than even what the chromosomes might tell us, might have hidden, encoded in their mysteries. My friend and colleague, Kathy Ryan Starr, who serves a UU congregation in um, Connecticut, puts it this way as she talks about her complicated interaction with gender herself. I don't identify as a man or as trans, she writes. I identify as mostly woman and genderqueer, a term that means that I queer gender. 
So it's a verb there, I queer gender. That I mess with traditional notions of it, that I don't fit squarely into categories of woman or man. My godson calls me Uncle Kathy, and that's the best way of naming my gender. In the gender binary system, Kathy goes on, I am breaking gender rules every day. But if gender is more of a spectrum, then everyone has their place, and my place is simply somewhere in the middle. West member Mike McVicker Weaver sent a message to me as well and gave me permission to share with you her experience. She writes, something inside me is saying that I don't have to be male or female to exist comfortably anymore. Something is telling me that I already am who I will always be and that it's okay to live between the lines of gender. I loved that phrase, between the lines of gender. My body doesn't have to change for me to be myself. My very favorite description of really radical gender fluidity comes from a science fiction and fantasy book that I just love. It's a trilogy, actually. It's the Inheritance Trilogy by N.K. Jemisin, which if you like science fiction and fantasy, I highly recommend Jemisin to you. She's just fantastic. I found her um, over sabbatical. I was reading only books by people of color, and, um, and I really wanted some sci-fi fantasy. And uh, boy, she's, she's great. So the Inheritance Trilogy is about um, uh, three gods, and then there's a bunch of other gods, and some of the gods kind of combine with each other. And anyway, and then there's people, and the gods become people, but only at night. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> But the coolest part is that all of the gods get to shift their genders. Jemison talks about it this way. She writes, none of the gods really have a gender or a body for that matter. They can be whatever they want, including species and sexes we've never heard of. One of the coolest gods of this sort of three gods, that sometimes they're more than three and then they become one. Anyway, <clears throat> of these um, kind of like the Trinity, but not really. More, more not really, actually, as it turns out, now that I'm thinking about Jemison, more not really. Um, but, but one of these gods, Nala, um, just shifts back and forth seamlessly. And it takes a while as you're reading the book. One of the things about Jemison is she doesn't do any explanation, any plot explanation of her books. She just launches right into it, so you actually have no idea what's happening for about 150 pages. So I will warn you that if you try the Inheritance Trilogy. But eventually you figure out that she's moving seamlessly among genders with her God characters so that they can be whatever gender they feel they are inhabiting most fully at that moment and whatever gender the person they are with needs them to be. They're a mother, they're a father, they're a lover. They go back and forth. And although, of course, it is indeed science fiction and fantasy, this particular one, the the note that there are sort of three gods and then all these other gods and they switch back and forth is one of the, the clues there. But still, what I loved about the book and about those characters in particular was the possibility of imagining a world really beyond gender, a world where we don't think that those categories are as terribly important as we think they are now. One of the ways that this plays out in our actual non-science fiction and fantasy world 
is in gender-neutral parenting. Parents who want to raise their child with the possibility of being in a world where gender is not so terribly important, where the categories are not so clear as we think they are. My friend Kathy, whom I mentioned before, has a child, Robin, and she writes about how she is parenting Robin. For nearly four years now, we have been asked, boy or girl, It's always what you ask, right? Boy or girl? My stock answer has been girl for now. Robin's sex, her daughter Robin's sex, is female, and Robin will decide her gender as she grows, and it may change, hence the for now. I would prefer, Kathy writes, to simply not share Robin's sex, especially when she was a baby, but some people get really angry when you won't tell them, and some have even told us, no, he's a boy, which seems odd. Why does it matter what sex or gender my child is, Kathy writes, especially to a stranger? The truth is that the gender binary system has a strong hold on our society and on each one of us, beginning in utero. Going back to the cartoons and Facebook memes, one of the ones I have especially enjoyed advocates dressing your child always in... um, uh, Uh, animal costumes, obviously, first of all, because animal costumes are so cute and nothing is more adorable than a child in animal costume, but also so that when you go down the street and somebody says, oh, is it a boy or a girl? You can say, oh, it's clearly a dinosaur. (laughs) What are you talking about? And then, of course, there are pronouns. Most of us are familiar with he and she right? Remember that one or the other piece. But if one or the other doesn't quite work, there is a whole rainbow of pronouns to explore. Some folks use Z, some use they, some use no pronouns at all. I go to a conference with Unitarian Universalist ministers where we're in the practice, as many groups are now, of having name tags that include our name and then also our preferred pronouns, which is actually really helpful. Um, and uh, my favorite one was a colleague who wrote, um, wrote her name and then um, under pronouns wrote, have fun, mix it up, play a little bit. <laughs> it was a little stressful, but also cool. You know, it's interesting, pronouns. It's one of the places, I think, where we can feel our resistance, can feel the pull of the binary system and the ever-present grammar police. You know, how can we... Someone's waving in the back. Yes, I am the ever-present grammar police. How can we use they as a singular pronoun? It doesn't even work at all. It's not a singular pronoun. Well, I would say, first of all, you know, the Washington Post just approved they as a single pronoun in its style guide. So you have that. You can carry a little card with Washington Post said it's okay. Look at it every once in a while so you feel better about it. I think the other thing I would say, and this to me really gets to the heart of it, What would you want to teach a child? To use the version of grammar that is currently accepted as standard? Or to honor, welcome, and affirm the experience of the person in front of them? The identity that the person presents and asks, will you accept me? I know which one I would want my child to learn. 
which would be more important. And that, I think, speaks to why this is an issue for us, why this is a religious issue, an issue that comes into our community life. There was a Pew study that came out recently about um, how religions uh, have, have sort of handled and are handling transgender folks. And there are a few that have actually positive, inclusive statements, just a few. Many more that have no statement at all or specifically exclude people who are transgender, either from being part of the community or certainly from being clergy. So that's one reason why it's our issue, because religions have not been the most welcoming places for any of the LGBTQ folks that walk the earth, and certainly not for transgender folks. There's a piece, I think, about safety, often literal physical safety. We as a community are devoted to creating a world where each person can flourish, You know, the average life expectancy for a transgender person of color is 35 years old. I am older than that. Not acceptable. So there's a piece there just about creating a world that is safe, a world that is just, a world that allows people to be who they are, literally to live as who they are as always, because of the ways that oppressions intersect with each other, having been the victim of multiple oppressions, being the least privileged in the latter, makes it yet more dangerous to live in the world. And then, too, I think there is the question of spiritual safety, of how we welcome and affirm people among us. How can we be a community where even if we stumble over the pronouns, still we try them, still we ask, what would you prefer? It can be awkward, but inclusion is so worth it. In ethical culture, we talk about being a tradition where we affirm the worth of every person and a tradition grounded in human experience. That's why the XX and XY stuff, although it is interesting, is less important to me than the stories, the experiences of the people in front of me. Even if the biology didn't back it up, which it does, (laughs) but even if it didn't, if a person comes to me and says, this is who I am, this is how I feel and how I would like to be addressed, everything in our tradition calls us to say, yes, we affirm your experience as a human being living in this world, and we will meet you where you are and accept you just as you are. One of the things that we have... uh, are starting in the new year, and I want to just publicly thank Rachel Alexander, who is on our board for getting us, on, she's looking at me like, what are you calling me out for, for getting us on this track, but um, 
As I mentioned, religious communities have not always been the most welcoming place for transgender folks, but there are some that have been. And Rachel read an article, as did I in the New York Times, about name change ceremonies for folks who have transitioned from one gender to another and want to have that um, transition and a name change, which is People don't always choose to change their name, obviously, but um, want to have that recognized in a community. Some churches have been able to offer that. Well, Rachel got us in touch with the folks at Whitman Walker um, uh, who run a clinic for folks who are trying to transition. And um, so now we appear to have sent them many flyers um, offering to do name change ceremonies for anyone who would like them uh, so that we and our officiants can... um, can offer that uh, affirmation of change if that feels appropriate and right to that person, perhaps within a community that of family and friends. I think all of it, though, in the end, gets back to the idea of collective liberation. Like that poem that was written in 1973, the one about how when a, a, a woman steps out of that little tiny box created for her, a man is freed as well. Well, to me, any time someone, as Kathy puts it, queers gender, any time someone pushes against the binary, pushes against the boxes and the borders, all of us are freed a little bit more. I think in the end, gender is neither in your brain nor really in your body. It's something more undefinable, something felt, changing and fluid, open to interpretation. They say that clothes make the man. I am interested in living in a world where we all get to pick the clothes we want, the pronouns we want, the identity we want, where we get to ourselves create the expectations to bake the gender roles we choose. No one really looks good in boxy categories or ill-fitting expectations. So here is to a world where we can be fully ourselves, a world without just one or another, a world for all of us.